All right, yeah, we are we back are here back today with the Home Field Advantage Podcast. This is Big Mo, and I have Action Jackson with me here on the line. Uh, how are you doing on this Wednesday? I'm sorry, actually Tuesday. It's Tuesday, ja- uh, Jackson. We're uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, Tuesday in the <laughs> country, and uh, I assume everywhere else that we're listening to. And uh, it's uh, I've, I've put it behind me. Uh, but I am so thankful that the football season for the Arkansas Razorbacks is over. I'm just yes. very – I've never been more thankful for a season to end. And uh, aside from that misery on uh, Black Friday, I'm I'm doing fantastic. I'm looking forward to a, a, a big-time basketball game tomorrow night, which I'm sure we'll discuss uh, in a few moments. So Yes, and uh, it was a Black Friday, wasn't it? It was a Black Friday, and, and honestly, the Razorbacks have had a lot of Black Fridays in the past uh, ten years on Black, on Black Friday. Definitely Black Eye Friday for sure. Uh, with those two, so <laughs> yeah, just just getting just getting used on Senior Day like that and run over by you know the team from the north. Um, I have to apologize today. I am a little bit under the weather, so I'm, I'm gonna try to limit my uh, <laughs> limit my prolonged harangues as much as I can. But uh, well, just throw those throw those meatballs to me like you normally do, and I'll I'll hit them out of the park for you, and you uh, just rest as much as uh, is, is feasible for you to do. Well, it's it's just hard hard to rest when like now you you said it was. I can't. I mean, it was it was a bad season, but it wasn't the worst season. I mean, we let's be honest. We we've had a lot, several bad seasons since uh, Bobby Petrino left us back in 2011, and uh, past 12 years mostly have been rough. But there's been, like I said, last two years before this one were good. Uh, you know, as as Meatloaf saying, the late late Meatloaf, uh, two out of three ain't bad. And I think that's why Sam Pittman's coming back. We had one stinker. We had two winning seasons. And uh, that's good enough around here um, to, to keep you keep you employed, I think, and, and keep you moving forward. But next year, for sure, is going to be make or break. I mean, I say make or break. We're not expecting much next year, but you got to exceed expectations. So, obviously, we're not expecting an eight-win season next year with coming back, new quarterback, new running back, offensive line that didn't show us anything this year, but a much-improved defense. Um, But we're always expecting to go to a bowl. So, if if we're not going to a bowl next year – then uh, Sam's, Sam's, you know, he's got to go. He, that's, you know, he's, he, he just got to make a bowl. That's all we're asking for. You know, and you, you brought up the, uh, the, the late meatloaf and that, and that song, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, I hope he's got that on the, the, the jukebox, you know, that he always talks about turning up, and I hope he plays it, you know, one time and then moves on because we're not, we're not uh, going to be okay with this going forward, Sam. So uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. So, uh, but but like you said, it's it's basically time to turn the page. No no use talking about a disaster that happened against Missouri, who uh, just apparently out recruited, out coached, and outplayed us on our own 
own field and, and share, well, it displayed what they, what they did on our own field right in front of us, in front of the few fans who showed up. I think there was something like 25, maybe 30,000, they said, that showed up by half the stadium. Pretty poor uh, attendance, but, um, you know, that's, that's to be expected. Of course, uh, KJ uh, bowed out in the first quarter. But anyway, I, we, we don't need to we don't need to go into the details of that. Uh, you know, we we salute all of them for their service, and I do want to say, you know, uh, it was KJ's last game, and I I was thinking yesterday about some of the the good moments that he gave us, and he gave us a lot of good moments. And I just want to make a, a brief point about about just KJ's career being the, the all time yardage or touchdowns leader and yardage leader am i right absolutely and uh just how nice it was when i was at the liberty bowl last year we grinded out that victory got us a win in florida this year uh but but i think the best one right was two the bowl two years ago i just kept thinking to myself we the arkansas razorbacks beat penn state in a bowl game and I just kept thinking about how proud I was because we get so down on our program. And especially years like this, and like I just told you, this wasn't even our worst year. We had, you know, we, we, could, we could look back at Chad Morris. We were even worse than this yeah. before Sam came. That's right. And, and I kept thinking to myself, we beat Penn State. And I thought about all the great Penn State. I mean, the Rose, how many Rose Bowls has Penn State been to in the past 20 years, you know, yeah. and yeah. we beat Penn State, neutral, neutral field uh, in a bowl game. And, and that was KJ. Yeah. That was KJ. So you got to tip your hat to all the great moments. And I think that ended up being the last, uh, the last Outback Bowl that's, that's going to be played. And, and, you know, unless uh, Outback decides to sponsor another one, I, I believe that was the last Outback Bowl uh, in, in which we did that. And, and, uh, and KJ showed out in that game. I mean, I know we had players set out. They had players set out. But uh, he, he really he really put himself on the map in that game. But, I mean, I, I just don't – I don't know what his future is now. And I, I'm just glad for what he brought to the university. And I, I wish him the best of luck in the future. Yeah, no matter what his future is, the legacy that I'm going to remember is I'm going to remember that sweet – satisfying just wonderful 2021 Razorback season where we beat the LSU Tigers we beat the Ole Miss Rebels we beat the Texas A&M Aggies and then we went to the Outback Bowl and we beat the Penn State Nittany Lions in football and, and I'm just so proud. And, you know, obviously it didn't end well. But let's be honest, Matt Jones's career didn't end well. And I, I talked about him last time being the greatest Arkansas quarterback of my lifetime, in my opinion. And he didn't go to a bowl his, his senior season. Yeah. But that doesn't tarnish his legacy either. And the same thing with K.J., Shouldn't tarnish his because I, I'm I'm remembering the sweet moments and I'm looking forward to the future. Yep, absolutely. I I, I couldn't say it any better myself, and, and I 
I wouldn't try. So, you well, it so, uh, so adequately. So. Well, with that, with that said, let's let's turn the page now on Arkansas football season. And of course, now we're not turning the page on football season entirely because believe me, we got a lot of college football left to talk to, and that's going to be in the second half of this program. A lot of college football because I got two teams that are making my heart swell right now, Jackson. Now they're not the Razorbacks, but they're the NC State Wolfpack and the Tulane Green Wave, who combined right now they have. 20 wins this year 20 count them 20 wins between them so we'll get to that in the second half right now we're going to talk about that Razorback men's basketball team and you just alluded to an upcoming matchup against Duke tomorrow uh, you know and it's so it, it's, it hasn't you know it hasn't looked very good for us recently you know we we went to uh, we went to the Bahamas, with the Bahamas. We uh, we won two overtimes against Stanford, and uh, you know we were feeling good about ourselves. And then we we lost a, a, a tough contest with with Memphis, and then we get blown out by North Carolina. So right now I'm I'm not sure what to expect tomorrow night. One thing I can expect tomorrow night though is that the fans will be there. It will be rowdy in Bud Walton. It will be rocking. In a, in, a, in a matchup that is a rematch from the 94 championship game, but we owe Duke. The last time we played them, they bounced us from the NCAA tournament, and I think Coach Muss has that on his mind, and I think you're going to see the Razorbacks play well. I don't know how, I don't know if they're going to play well enough to win, but I would like to see a win, and I am expecting a win on our home court to get back to where we need to be going forward in the season. So you're expect you're telling me you're expecting a win against Duke tomorrow? I'm expecting an upset win on our home court over a top ten ranked Duke team that's coming into an environment that they're just not going to be used to playing. Because it's one thing to to play in Cameron Indoor, it's one thing to play at Chapel Hill, but there's only one Fayetteville, there's only one Palace of Mid America in basketball, and that's Bud Walton Arena. These players have never experienced what they're going to walk into tomorrow night. And I think the the Hogs are going to play inspired. I think they're going to we're going to find some players out that they're going to play with tenacity. And I think we're going to beat Duke tomorrow. Absolutely, do. Okay. Well, as, as somebody who is an alumni of an ACC school, I, I can tell you that I mean that I, Bud Walton is a very strong basketball venue, and I put up there with the best of them, but. That and I, I've never been to a North Carolina Duke game. I've, I've never been actually in the stadium, but I, I think it, Chapel Hill is, is as intimidating or more as as Bud Walton when Duke comes to town. I mean, uh, but Duke's you know it's not as much travel. Duke's prepared for it. I, I see what you're saying that they they very well may not be prepared for what they're going to get here because uh, I tell you the Razorback. Razorback Nation is is amped for this one, and if you don't believe me, just look at the ticket prices. I think the cheapest ticket to get in the house, if you buy it on StubHub, the secondhand market, what that I saw was one hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow! So, and that's on a Wednesday night. So we're talking about yes, this this game is going to be packed to the gills, absolutely, and. Uh, we're, I mean, the home field advantage is going, home court advantage, home court advantage is going to be there. 
for, for us for sure. That, and I expect us to play well. I, 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 I'm not counting us out. And a lot of times I would, you know, I'm take the more pessimistic side usually, um, or I would say the more realistic side on this podcast. And I would usually scoff at the notion that we're going to beat Duke. But I'm not scoffing because any team that has uh, – any team that has Devo Davis, Trayvon Brazil, and uh, and and some of the guys who played on that team that went to the Sweet 16 upset Kansas last year, and and of course Musselman as a coach, any any team like that is capable of an, pulling off an upset, no doubt about, especially at home, especially at home. So I'm not counting this out, but the elephant in the room, of course is that in losing to North Carolina, my most hated arch-rival team, uh, now for, uh, seems like the Razorbacks, too. That was the second time we lost to them in the past five years or so. Other time was in the tournament. And uh, not only did they deal us a crushing blow, but we lost Trayvon Mark, and as of an hour ago, the news is he's not going to play tomorrow. Okay. And he put up 34 points in that North Carolina game. So uh, we're basically going to be without our best player. Yep. Uh, so what do we do, Jackson? That is disheartening news. But, you know, I think you mentioned one name, and he's got to play well tomorrow night in order for us to win, and that's Devontae Davis. He, he's got to be the Devo from the, from the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, he, he, he's got to be that guy. And you're going to need a good game from Trevon Brazil, uh, yep. for sure. But you're going to need a game from some of these youth, too. Uh, I think about Layton Blocker and the way he played against Stanford and uh, some of these other young guys. And then uh, I, I think a guy that's really been forgotten is Makai. Uh, Makai, uh, that's, that's the name I was reaching for. You have, you have to. You have to have a good game out of him. Uh, he can't get in early foul trouble like he has, and and not be able to play most of the first half, or, or we're going to we're going to get it handed to us. But I think if we have a good game from Trevon Brazil, not only shooting the ball but rebounding, and and, and an intense, purposeful Evo Davis that plays with purpose and plays with tenacity on the defensive end, and and goes to the rack and and, and gets to the foul line. That's Devontae Davis's game, getting to the foul line, hitting his short jumpers, and playing good defense. If we get a good game from Devontae Davis, not only do I think we'll be in the game, but I think we can beat Duke tomorrow night. Uh, okay. you know, and I, I, hate, I hate to hear about the loss of Jamal Mark because he has been our best player. But Coach Musselman has always found a way through injuries to get somebody else to step up. When we lost to Ron Brazil last year, he had to get somebody to step up. Those guys that stepped up, there was two or three of them. But we need that same thing to happen again. When when one guy goes down, what kind of team are you? And that's what we're going to find out tomorrow night when we play Duke. We're going to find out, is this a team that can win a Final Four game and possibly play for a national championship? You're going to find out tomorrow night. Or this early in the season, you're going to find out if Arkansas has the manpower to do that, to make that deep run again. And, I, and wow. I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna learn a lot about our team. When you lose a good player, you find out what the rest of your team is made of, and I think that's what we're gonna find out tomorrow. Well, I I have to say, I, I, my my question to that is, when we had our best player, 
we couldn't beat Memphis or North Carolina or UNC Greensboro. And I think, as you point out for the podcast, we're at risk of losing to our third North Carolina team in the past three, uh, in the past two weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I found out a lot already. I, I, I have to disagree with you, Jackson. I, it's November. It's November. We're, we're getting our legs under us. What we're doing here is we're getting experience. And that's the most important thing about this game. And I, I fully expect it, fully expect us to lose tomorrow, hopefully by only single digits. I think if we, if we only lose by single digits and it's a competitive game at the end where we're playing meaningful basketball and, there, and there's intensity and the fans are into it, that's a victory. This is, this is a game where a moral victory to me is as good as an actual victory. Because nobody's expecting us to beat Duke, and especially without our best player. And nobody's going to hold it against us if we lose. Um, and it's November. So I would, you know, a, a win against Duke would be wonderful. But the most important thing is we get the experience and we and we move forward. And, you know, and, and, you know, and I, know moral, I know moral victories, you know, do help teams. I, do, I know they do. But... We, we don't want to get to a place where, oh, well, we got this moral victory and then we're stuck there. Well, we didn't win, but it's, it's another moral victory. <coughs> As Arkansas fans, it seems like we seem, we seem to get in those ruts where we, where we get stuck in those moral victories. Like, well, we got another moral victory. I'm just really, Mo, I'm sick of moral victories. I want the <laughs> real thing. That's what I want tomorrow night. I don't want a moral victory. Hey. Jackson, a three-point three loss to Duke does not help me right now. I want to win. That's what I want. Yeah, well, I hate to disappoint you, but man, I mean, I, I would not, I would not lose any sleep over it, hoping for a win tomorrow. I mean, again, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but you're going to have to look for those wins somewhere else than against Duke. They've got this guy coming in. I don't know if you heard about Kyle Filipowski. Phillip, who, if he's not already in the conversation for one of the Nate Smith players of the year, probably should be seven foot tall, sophomore, and he's averaging almost 19 points a game with eight rebounds a game. I don't know how we're going to stop him. Uh, we're going to, I mean, I'm hoping Musk draws up some some plans and and gets a gets a game plan going, but. Um, played Stanford they had a big guy I can't even recall his name because his name's not relevant because he, he opened his mouth about out tough in Arkansas because they were bigger and stronger and all this he averaged coming into the game averaging over 20 points averaging a double double he didn't even have nowhere near his numbers because Musselman drew that up so well this guy's not going to beat us for one he ran his mouth he shouldn't have ran his mouth off and he fouled out before overtime even started. He was gone. He was out of the game. Didn't get his double double, and he was irrelevant. That's why I can't remember his name because his name doesn't matter because he wasn't a factor. So <coughs> the big guy doesn't. The big guy doesn't scare me. It's not big guys that have been beating us. It's perimeter shooting that's been beating us, and us not shooting the ball well. That's what's been beating us. So a big guy doesn't intimidate him because he's not going to be the one that's going to beat us. If we don't play good perimeter defense, we're going to get beat. 
Well, yeah, we do have to play good defense. And I will say that loss against North Carolina, North Carolina just played a really good game, and they shot the ball extremely well. And sometimes in ways that you couldn't even guard them. They were just hitting threes that most teams wouldn't hit. And, and you know, hitting uh, – they just played a really uh, – like they always do against Arkansas and NC State, they always play their best game. It's just the way it is. Uh, of course, we'll get to the football side of that in a minute. But uh, – <laughs> but uh, – <laughs> I'm sorry, that was an evil laugh. Like well, you know what happened in football. Was, but, uh, it was a maniacal laugh. And it, <laughs> it, 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 I can't, I can't help it. it. I, I really enjoyed that football it game. Us, it, and it, it makes us think, well, what are we looking forward to in the second half of this, this awesome episode? But I want to say I want to say this, too, about, uh, about I don't know what it is about certain teams when we go on the court with them. It's almost like we're defeated before we ever play. And I just think, for whatever reason, in basketball, North Carolina is one of those teams. Because when we, we took a good team that had, uh, I believe it had... Uh, no. uh, we, were, we were winning at halftime. Daryl Macon. Well, I'm, 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 I'm getting there. We had Daryl Macon, we had Jalen Barford, and we had, uh, uh, the, I can't remember his name right now, the, Daniel Gafford. We had a really good team. And we went to, we went and played North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. We were we were either winning at halftime or we were tied, and then in the second half they pulled away from us, just like this game on Saturday. Yep. You know, or, or on Friday, excuse me. That's what happened. We we were down ten early. We we get back at halftime. We're up three. We're feeling good, and then North Carolina just blows our doors off the second half. And it was just a typical Arkansas North Carolina game. That's what they've been doing to us. And. If the Duke game tomorrow is anything like the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, we were competitive with them for most of the first half. But right at halftime, we hit a lull and swarm. We stopped shooting the ball. We couldn't rebound. And Duke built a lead and never looked back. And that's what has to happen tomorrow. But I think we're going to see – I don't know why I think this way. I know what just happened in the Bahamas. I know we lost to Greensboro. But there's something in my gut telling me that the team that shows up tomorrow night, Duke's not ready for it. That's what I see. That's that's what I'm I'm feeling. Duke's just not going to be ready. And sometimes in basketball, mm-hmm. you show up on your team, you might have a great team, but they show up one night and they're not ready and the other team is, and that's what happens to them. They get beat, especially when you go on the road. I, I You know, you make a lot of sense, Jackson. I, I, I hate to admit it because as much as I – as much as my – Hard and everything just telling me we're going to lose this game to Duke, uh, especially after what I saw against Memphis and North Carolina. You make a lot of sense. You really make a lot of sense that, that this is the situation where teams do get beat. And I do like – this is the number one fact I like that gives me hope is that, that Musk has had time to prepare. There was a statistic that came up that in – uh, before the Stanford game, because we had five days to prepare for Stanford, that in games in which Musselman has five or more days to prepare, his record is something like now well, after we beat Stanford, I think it's nineteen and four. He's got a nineteen and four record in in games in which he's had at least five days to prepare. And count them, he's had Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And I guess you count half a Wednesday. He's had just about five days to prepare for Duke. And he's known that his best player is not going to be playing, Trayvon Martin. And so 
that's the great thing about Arkansas basketball that separates it from football is in basketball we out coach the other team, especially with Coach K gone from Duke. I'm expecting us to out coach Duke. And I expect Arkansas to out coach just about every team they play, especially when we have time to prepare. Memphis, we didn't know we were gonna play Memphis. We had we had less than one day to prepare for Memphis. Hard to prepare for that team when you don't even know you're going to play them. Same thing with North Carolina. They barely got beat by Villanova, or else we would have been playing Villanova that day. We didn't know who we were going to play. Got beat by them. But with Duke, you got five days to sit down, analyze, and get ready for this game. And uh, I think Muss is up to the challenge. I, I, I believe. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that because that and that that's the muscle one effect. And if you if you take you know. You said almost five days. You know, if you take after the game on Friday and you add that other half in, he's had five days to prepare because that preparation for Duke started when they realized, hey, we're not playing this tournament anymore. Let's get ready. Absolutely. So we'll we'll see what he does with that. Again, I have all the faith in the world in Musselman. And I do believe, one thing I do believe is that our team, which, you know, every year, like most teams, we have new faces, we have to gel. And, and I think we're going to get better as the year goes on. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even even a, you know, a close loss to Duke or any loss to Duke, the games going forward after that, you know, for, for a good stretch are all winnable. So, I mean, we can, we can still have just a, I mean, a really, really great season uh, going forward, uh, regardless of what happens tomorrow night. Exactly, exactly. And, I, and these, these games are preparing us for the – conference play for sure these these tough games against quality quality non-conference opponents memphis north carolina stanford duke and uh coming up on december 9th will be uh oklahoma so we got a very quality slate of of opponents exhibition game that that we played against purdue against purdue yep can't forget about that still still exhibition but i mean we, we did manage to win that game against purdue so uh, you know, we've, we've, I love the quality at the, at the beginning of the schedule that's going to pay off in February and March uh, for the Razorbacks, for sure. Yes. But now one thing that I, I saw last night that was missing, has been missing from our teams for the past three years where we've made it to Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, I saw a lot of skill play. And, and honestly, I tell you, the, the best thing that I saw from the games this weekend even though we lost two of them, was I saw fight. I saw fight in our team. Our team did not quit. Even when it looked like, I mean, both both North Carolina and Memphis games, we were down by nine or more with four and a half, you know, minutes to play or so. And never did we stop fighting. We, 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 we broke, we, I think we, we brought it to within at least seven points, six points maybe in both cases. I think Memphis, we got within probably one possession, three-point game several times there at the end. And um, and just kept fighting to the end. I love the fight, but uh, as I, I mentioned uh, before the podcast, what we've got to have is we've got to have more grit. We have a lot of skill players. we got Trayvon Mark. Um, you know, we got guys who can – who can score the ball for sure. 
And and Trayvon Brazil, to me, you know, he's a big guy, but he's more of a small forward shooting guard style of player is, is the way he plays. He's not a guy who's going to body people up on the inside, although he will block a lot of shots, which I like. And Devo is a very gritty player. He's the type of guy that we need, but Devo's a guard. So he's, he's going to be gritty out on the perimeter. We've got to have guys who can be gritty in the paint, and that's where we're really missing Jordan Walsh. And, uh, you know, last year when we beat Kansas, we would not have won that game. We would not have made it to the Sweet 16 if we didn't have Jordan Walsh going in at the end of that game, tipping that free throw back and at, at the end and getting those extra points, and then, of course, at the end, knocking that ball off the defender to create a turnover, and get us the ball back. It's those types of gritty defensive plays that are the difference makers, especially against good teams. And so that's what I'm going to be looking for uh, tomorrow night is who is going to step up and be that gritty player that we need to go in there and get those rebounds, uh, block out, cause turnovers, and play defense. Those are the players that need to emerge on our team. Absolutely. And, and I, I, you know, the hallmark of the Razorbacks going back to the 90s, even before, has been defense. And I'd love to see us go back to that. And that's what was so satisfying last year about that win over Kansas, is it was defensively led. There's no way you come back on that team at the end of that game like we did uh, without just absolute stone-cold, valiant, uh, just unbelievable defense and and that's that's exactly how we did it and that's what i want to see from us against duke and that's especially effective at home when you got the crowd behind you fluster the other team force them into mistakes get them unsure of themselves and then just chip away at the lead or add on to yours I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, I think that does it for basketball. Obviously, we're looking forward to the game tomorrow. But now let's move on to college football. And wow, wow, what a weekend of college football outside the state of Arkansas, of course. But, man, around the country, we had some absolute classics. And uh, honestly, Jackson, I think I think I might have seen, I think I might have seen the greatest college football game that I've ever seen, and maybe the, you know, maybe the biggest play that I've ever seen in college football, at least in the regular season, non-bowl game, in the Iron Bowl. 
definitely the best uh, last, what, 40 seconds. I mean, it was just, uh, it just, and, and Alabama found a, a way to win. I, I can't say the better team found a way to win because I think Saturday night, Auburn was the better team. But Alabama found a way to win that game. And what a what an ending to a game. And I, I found myself watching the other football games, and I'm like, oh, well, this is what it means to play uh, good football. This is what it looks like when you play good football. And and because we haven't seen that from our beloved Arkansas Razorbacks, and I've seen a lot of good football this weekend, the Michigan-Ohio State game, the absolute whipping that the Wolfpack put on the, the Baby Blues uh, was just a absolute uh, massacre that I loved to watch. I could not look away. It was just, I mean, it was like a, a beautiful symphony, what North Carolina State did. And, you know, and then to, to see to, to see Tulane win their uh, 11th game? Big Mo's 11th game. 11th game. Yeah, I mean, 11th some, game. Some, some great football games over the weekend. Sure. Their fifth, Tulane's 15th win in their last 16 games, going back to last year. Wow. Uh, they have really put together a strong program. Of course, they had their quarterback returning from last year after winning the Cotton Bowl over USC. And get this, uh, quarterback Pratt for, for Tulane, he's only a junior this year. Yeah, That's only a junior, so he could very likely be back next year again for Tulane. Yeah. But he's only gotten better. Uh, of course, they lost Spears, who was – you know, one of the best running backs in the country last year, but they've replaced him very nicely with a true freshman uh, who has been absolute lights out for the Green Wave. He's rushed over 1,200 yards now this year. And, of course, Green Wave, uh, the defense has been hit or miss, you know, as, as most teams that level are, but they've been good when they've needed to be. Of course, going into East Carolina this year, scratching out a 13-10 to 10 win. They held the Pirates to only 10 points. Not something to brag about when East Carolina is one of the worst teams in the country, but it goes to show that they're capable of holding another team down. Right. Uh, they also held Florida Atlantic to eight points a couple weeks ago in Florida Atlantic. Yep. And, uh, and so, you know, nice win over UT San Antonio. And now they face a real test, though, in the SMU Mustangs coming up here uh, in the in the Amer uh, American Conference Championship game. Uh, who's uh, they're undefeated in conference? So, uh, Jackson, I'm going to have you make the call on this one. Is it going to be the ten and two undefeated in conference SMU Mustangs? who have only lost this season to at Oklahoma and at TCU. That's their only losses on the on the card this year. Or is it going to be the two-lane green wave who does get to play this one at home? They're playing in Yulman Stadium, uptown New Orleans. Yep. And their only loss this season has been against the Ole Miss Rebels, currently number 12 in the country. Uh, who are you riding with in this one, Jackson? Well, you know, I, I think I'm going to – do what I did towards the end of last season. I'm going to ride this green wave until it runs out. But, you know, Mustangs normally do pretty good with water, but they don't, I don't think they're going to do good with this tidal wave or the green wave that's going to hit them. Uh, I, I definitely like Tulane uh, to, to beat SMU and, and uh, go back to that New Year's Six Bowl. Well, I'm definitely not counting as a win. Um, 
But uh, let me tell you, Marquis Hughes, he's going to have to have a big game. That's the true freshman I was talking about. Rushed for 166 yards on 26 carries. The definition of a bell cow against UT San Antonio. But the defense is going to have to step up against SMU because they just got done putting 59 points on uh, Navy. Navy, who actually is a win against Army away from a bowl. They're five and six. So not a bad team, but a 59 to 14 absolute stuffing of Navy. And so the Mustangs are riding high. They're riding high. So it's going to be a tough game. But anyway, let's let's go back uh, to um, uh, other than the championship game that's involved with one of my favorite teams there. Let's go back to this last weekend's results and and the and the Iron Bowl. I mean, I, I just you can't emphasize enough how big of a play that was. Just uh, you're talking about your arch rival for both these teams. You're in their stadium. It's fourth and goal from the thirty-one, and I don't remember in my lifetime. I don't remember a fourth and more than 30 ever seeing that converted. It's pretty rare for there to even be a fourth and more than 30. Uh, But when there is a fourth and more than 30, you're usually punting. You're not going for it. And when you go for it, I've never seen it converted. Well, they had fourth and goal from the 31 and Auburn made, in my mind, the fatal mistake of trying to only rush two linemen, drop nine into coverage. And uh, Alabama's quarterback had all day sitting back in the pocket. I mean, he he watched the replay. He sat back there six, seven seconds just surveying the field, tossed one up to the corner of the end zone, and, you know, the guy made a catch that will go down in college football history. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, Alabama takes the win. They do, and you know, and, and the, so much of that play reminded me of a, of a certain play by by who you named as your your favorite Razorback quarterback in our lifetime. Yep. And Matt Jones hit the Corey Birmingham in the corner of the end zone to beat LSU, and it wasn't fourth down, but the ball was on the thirty-one yard line. The ball was on the thirty-one yard line when that play happened. And it's the opposite side of the end zone, but I'm I'm having flashbacks while I'm watching this just absolute rocket of a of a throw and, and a and a great catch. But I don't understand how anybody gets behind in, in that scenario. And I mean, uh, I know it's one play, but I mean, uh, Auburn should be definitely rethinking what they're doing on defense after that one play because. You can't let that happen on, on fourth and goal from the third. No. No way. You absolutely can't. And and how devastating is that for Auburn? I mean, you bet you've got your arch rival on the ropes. You know how much that game means to both teams. But I mean, you make your whole season, if you beat Alabama, whatever happened the rest of the year doesn't really matter. It's been an amazing season because you beat Alabama if you're if you're Auburn. This is the game that they want. It's really the only game that matters to them with them being a 6-6 six and six, or if they won a 7-5 team. 
nothing else matters other than beating Alabama. And you see Alabama go down in there and get inside the 10 at the end of the game. You're up by four, so obviously Alabama can't settle for a field goal. Get inside the 10, and then you have penalties that push them back. Penalties and, and a sack that pushed, pushed them back to the uh, to the 31-yard line. And now it's fourth and goal. And, and at this point, it's almost just a celebration. People are going crazy. You were you were on the edge of your seat as an Auburn fan because you thought you were about to lose the game when they're inside the ten. Yeah. So you were you were you were ready for just complete soul crushing disaster, losing the game to Alabama at the end. You were ready for that five minutes ago, but when they're back on the thirty one, you're talking about complete soul liberating victory right in front of your eyes. Absolutely. You basically felt like you won the game because they were just inside the 10. You were expecting to score, and now you're thinking there's no way they're going to score at all. In fact, ESPN said that Alabama's chances of winning as of the last play were .0, 0.01%. In other words, it was a 99.9% chance of Auburn winning that game before the last play was snapped. And that's how I'm sure every Auburn fan in the stadium felt. So you went from complete fear to complete ecstasy, and then in one play, you just had your entire hopes and dreams and everything shattered right in front of you. And I just can't emphasize the the biggest thing is that game was in Auburn. If that happens in Alabama, you have everyone cheering. And yeah, it's 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 a happy feeling. Obviously, Alabama's going crazy, and Auburn fans are, you know, uh, deflated. But at least they don't have to watch it. But instead, you have eighty thousand of the most die-hard Auburn fans having to see that happen right in front of them. It's just like it's a stake to the heart. Yeah, and and you know, and, and not to go back in history too far, but it's really poetic justice for Alabama because. It was the 10-year anniversary of the famous kick six that happened yes. in Iron Bowl when they tried for a long field goal and Auburn ran back for a touchdown and filled the game. When Alabama's thinking they're hitting this field goal and we're fixing to win. And it, it was it was just, I mean, to happen on the 10-year anniversary just adds more, more fuel to the fire for this great rivalry going forward. And, and But here's the other thing on top of everything is that this wasn't a meaningless game. This wasn't just Alabama against Auburn, duking it out, great rivalry. This game has real national championship implications. That play kept Alabama alive for a chance to win a national title. Yep, certainly did. And if Alabama goes on to do the unthinkable and upsets Georgia in this in this uh, SEC championship game, let me tell you, that play is going to be looked back upon. Again, I'm, I'm calling it right now. It's, it's the greatest regular season college football play that I've ever seen in, in regular season. I'm not saying in bowl games. When I talk about the greatest games of all time, the one that comes to my mind is Texas-USC 2006. Uh, as, I mean, that might, that might be the greatest. But... Um, and there's been a lot of good ones out there, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that was a hard-fought battle to the end. 
comes down to fourth and 31 and just knowing what that game means to everyone and the actual national championship uh, implications of that game. And for them to complete that pass, it's just you jaw drops at, 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 at what you what you saw. So, uh, but hey, that wasn't the only good game out there, was it, Jackson? We, no, there was, there was uh, just game after game. It just seemed like uh, another just, you know, fantastic showing by these college football athletes uh, over the weekend, uh, for sure. I mean, there, there were so we, many good games. I mean, we could have we could have three episodes about good games uh, that we saw this last weekend. We really could. We, we scroll a little bit to the north and to the game against Michigan, Ohio State, in the big house. And Ohio State had the ball inside Michigan's 35 with over a minute left to play, down by six. And Ohio State essentially was in the same position as Alabama. Inside the 35, well, a touchdown wins the game on the opponent's field. The difference is Alabama got it done. Ohio State threw a pick. and. Yep. Michigan took a knee. And, you know, and I would say, uh, you know, finally, finally dashed Ohio State's chances of, of, of making the playoff. Uh, you know, that's also what they did. Uh, they, they took Ohio State all the way out of the picture, in, in, my, in my opinion. Because not only did they lose that game, but you're also not going to play in your conference championship game. And even a Michigan loss, you're not going to jump back over Michigan into the playoff picture. So they they ended Ohio State's hopes for, for that happening. And the official rankings, Ohio State dropped from number, I believe they were number two coming in. They dropped from number two to number six with the loss at Michigan. In my mind, I mean, again, especially after watching Ohio State play Michigan, I'm more convinced than ever that Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country. And I think most people know it. I, th- I think right now the game is, and it, it, I, I, I agree with you, Jackson, I think Ohio State is going to somehow get left out of the playoff. And I, 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 I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong because they did technically have a chance. I do think it's a little unfair, but it's mostly the fault of their conference for how they, they set up the divisions and everything, like, like it is in the SEC, same situation with LSU and Alabama many years. Um, but let me tell you, I, I really feel like they're one of the best teams in the country. And if you're saying your only loss of the year is a one-possession loss at number two Michigan – after you won the other 11 games and, and you don't get to play in a conference championship or a, a for the BCS playoff, uh, that's, that's tough. That's tough, and it's a huge benefit for the teams that get in the playoff and don't have to play them because nobody wants to play Ohio State right now. Yeah. And well, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't totally disagree with that. Only, only to say this, <laughs> if you believe you're one of the best teams, want to prove that you've got to win one game that's why they call it the game you have yeah. to be Michigan to show that and you didn't do it whether you lost
called yeah. a or sixty. You didn't beat them. So in, in my eyes, you you played your way out, and you can blame your conference for not allowing you to play for the title. You know, you can point fingers a lot of different ways. But if you beat Michigan, guess what? You're in. Well, no, but 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 let me stop you there, Jackson. Let me stop you there. Here's here's why I blame the conference. Because everything you just said, why can't that be said exactly the same about the Oregon Ducks? How do the Oregon Ducks get a second shot at the Washington Huskies after they played Washington in Washington and they lost that game by, guess what, seven points, one possession, just like Ohio State? Why does Oregon get a second shot? How is that fair? Let me tell you, it's not fair. It's because the conference, the conference set it up to where Oregon's on one side or there's no divisions. I'm not exactly sure how the Pac-12 works. But somehow they got Oregon and Washington, the two best teams in the conference championship. Now, I didn't want to see a Michigan-Ohio State rematch two weeks in a row. Nobody wants to see that. It's like the first game doesn't matter. And But that's what we're seeing with Oregon and Washington. And because Oregon and Washington played earlier in the year, everybody's all for it. Well, you know, that was, you know, two months ago. Let's, let's let them watch, watch them play again. So I think there's a real argument, and I can't wait to get on this podcast if it happens and, and argue that it's not fair if Oregon ends up beating Washington, as many people are predicting, and Oregon gets the nod over Ohio State. How is that fair? When Oregon got to play them in Las Vegas on a neutral site, they lost to them the first time. They get a second chance. They beat them. They split the games one and one. But because Oregon wins the second game, they get in. And Ohio State, meanwhile, which doesn't get the chance on a neutral site, they're left out. Right. Uh, And and I don't – but here's here's another place where we disagree. Washington already has the recipe to beat Oregon. Oregon does not beat Washington this weekend. Washington well, I'm just saying if, if that happens. Yeah. And there's, I, I believe, I want to say Oregon is favored, but are you calling, are you calling the Huskies? Cause Washington, Washington's going to win, and, you know, Bo Nix has played a great season and nothing, take nothing away from him. He, he did the right thing in transferring and getting away from Auburn. But at the same time, he's got one more demon he's got to slay because he chokes in big games. This is the biggest game of his college football career. And you're not going to get the best Bo Nix against Washington. Hey, I, I got news for you, Jackson. I got news for you. And Washington. And, and that's, that's – uh, let me tell you, that might be your upset of the week. That might be your upset special because the, the morning line right now on, on, on that game, Oregon by nine and a half. Yeah. They're not even the, – the, the people in law – and by the way, this is being played in Vegas – but Vegas is not expecting this game to even be close. They're not expecting the Huskies to keep it within a possession, they're, within a possession of Oregon. They obviously didn't watch the first game where Oregon was stagnant on offense the second half because Washington completely shut them down. Completely shut them down in the second half. And, 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 and speaking of great rivalry games, one of them wasn't between these two teams. And that is Oregon absolutely spanked, spanked yeah. Beavers in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we, I think we called that one. Uh, didn't, didn't see that game being close anyway. Um, no, I, I did. I, I was shocked by what, that. 
But but on the other hand, Washington and Washington State was a absolute nail biter. Washington again played that game at home, and they barely pulled it out by a field goal against the Cougars. So looking at those two games, I, I see where Vegas is going, and again, I'm 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 wondering to myself which scenario creates more drama an Oregon win or a Washington win because a Washington win you can't keep them out an Oregon win you might have just a mess of chaos because an Oregon win you know you you might have the first time when the playoff committee decides the (laughs) champion is not going to play for this for the championship could have that. You, you haven't had that scenario before because they lean on conference champions. So mm-hmm. you, you could you could see the first one. Well, or you won the championship, but you also lost to Washington, and y'all both have one loss, and we're not going to put Washington in, so you guys aren't playing for it either. So you know it's just. But I mean, I don't see that scenario playing out because, like I said, I think I think Washington is going to win, and they're going to represent the Pac-12 in the playoffs. Okay. Well, I, and again, I'm, I don't know which one to, that I really want to root for in this situation because at this point, I'm kind of I'm, I'm wanting Alabama to beat Georgia. After what I saw against Auburn, that play, I, I just the the story has to continue for me after after that. You know, that can't go down as oh Alabama did that heroically and then well where they burned out against Georgia in the playoff and. You know, going to the Peach Bowl, you know. And that would be fine if that happens. It probably will happen. But I got to root for Bama. I got. I mean, to me, Bama at this point feels like the underdog. I hate saying that. It's hard to say that. Yeah. But that's that's where we've come in college football. It's we got to go. It's hard to go against Nick Saban on any field, uh, any level, wherever he's playing, neutral site, home field, on somebody else's field. Uh, and I, I just – Alabama beats Georgia, and Georgia does not play for the playoff. That, to me, would be a worse tragedy than leaving some of these other teams out, in my opinion. And that's why I want the, I want the Bulldogs to win to avoid that extra chaos and try to make history and win your third in a row. But that's the thing. I want chaos. I want chaos. <laughs> you do. I want to. So that's the, what I want is I want Alabama to beat Georgia. And then I think I want Oregon to beat Washington. Because I want, and I'm assuming Michigan is going to beat Iowa, which let me th- toss that one out there for you, Jackson, because that, that with the way that Iowa defense has been playing, that might not be a safe assumption. Yeah, and, and then I think that, you know, if Michigan was to lose, I think it's a scenario where you have no Big Ten representative as much as you want Ohio State in. Because yeah. I think if Alabama beats Georgia, both SEC teams are going. Well, here's the thing. The line on Michigan and Iowa is Michigan by 23, Vegas. Yeah. All I can say is take take the points. Yeah, definitely. Take That's the points and, ta- and probably take the under, whatever the over-under is. Because, look, you, Iowa can't lose by 23 if Michigan doesn't score 23. And I don't think they're going to. 
I don't think they're going to score that Iowa defense. We're talking about this is really a legendary unit for the Hawkeyes. I mean, we're, we're talking about a defense that, again, went into Nebraska, the other night great team, allowed 10 points. The week before that, allowed 13. The week before, the week before that, that, pitched a shutout, shutout against, against Rutgers, who gave, who gave Ohio, Ohio State, State a little, little bit of a challenge. Held Northwestern to seven points. Held Minnesota to 12 points. Held loss, unfortunately, at home. Held lost 12-10. Held Wisconsin to six points on the road. And a 15-6 win held Purdue to 14. You have to go back to September 23rd of this year. First conference game of the year for the Hawkeyes at Penn State, which they got blown away 31 to nothing. But you take away that game, they have not allowed a team to score more than 16 points for eight consecutive games now. And you talk about a great game. Let's look at Iowa and Nebraska, which, again, they weren't playing for much. Iowa wasn't. Nebraska was playing for bowl eligibility at home on senior day. They were playing for quite a bit. And Nebraska has the ball in the last few minutes of the game, actually the last minute of the game, driving with the game score tied 10 to 10, trying for a game-winning field goal. All they need is to drive down there, set up for a field goal to win. Interception by Iowa. The defense coming up big again sets up the Hawkeyes instead. For the game-winning field goal, they walk off 13-10 to 10 against great. Nebraska. I'm here to tell you, I would not count the Hawkeyes out. Well, and I, I, I agree with that. And, and, and that's what, you know, and that's what I think a, a, a loss there to, by Michigan. I don't see how the playoff committee can put Ohio State or Michigan at that point in the playoffs because Michigan beat Ohio State can't put Ohio State in over Michigan because they want to head up game. Yeah. But Michigan just lost an embarrassing loss to a team that by the numbers probably shouldn't have been on the field with them, but yet they got beat. So how do you put them in? So yeah. Iowa, Iowa could end the Big Ten chances of being in the playoff with a win over Michigan. In my I, I, I have I to agree with committee. you. I don't have the – I haven't they, – they still – I'm still waiting on their, their email, their phone call. I'm waiting for them to hit me up and put me on the playoff committee, but I haven't. I'm not there yet. But <laughs> I don't. I don't think that a Michigan loss would would warrant putting Ohio State or Michigan into the playoffs. No. However, on the SEC side of things, if Alabama was to beat Georgia, I don't. Th- I think it would be very hard to keep Georgia out of the playoffs, considering how the game goes against Alabama. Now, if Alabama figures something out and just blows the doors off to Georgia, yeah, Georgia doesn't deserve to play for it either. But if they win by a point or a field goal, then Georgia's probably going to get in the playoff, depending on what else happens around the country. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'd be hard to keep Georgia out if they lose to Alabama, especially depending on what else happens around the country. I, exactly. I think, frankly, it might be easy to keep Georgia out because I'm I'm fully expecting Michigan to be Iowa. Fully expecting that. I think it's going to be a closer game than people thought, and, and it's going not going to be a gimme. But I'm expecting Michigan to pull it out just like yep. they pulled it out against Ohio State. Exactly. 
And uh, the one team that I'm rooting for to win to help to help with the chaos, I'm rooting for the Florida State Seminoles to win the ACC championship, be 13 and 0, because nobody likes Florida State now without their quarterback. Everybody's looking for a reason to keep Florida State out when all they've done is win, 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 no matter what. And they pulled off, obviously, a nice win against the uh, the Gators. wasn't overly impressive, but it was in the swamp, 24-15. to Won by more than a possession, convincingly. And that's the second SCC team they've disposed of this year. So, in my mind, there's no way you can put an SEC team in over a 13-0 Florida State. I don't know. If they're, if they're undefeated conference champions, they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's an easy one. Where the yeah. chaos comes in is if they lose in their title game. Because then uh, you <laughs> might have a one-loss ACC champion in Louisville that could be potentially, or two-loss, excuse me. Two-loss. Two loss. So, uh, let me correct you on that because – that's another barn burner that we had. We'll get to that in a second. And the two loss and the two loss teams never made the playoff, so I don't think Louisville can even play even be in the playoff with a conference championship win over Florida State. I don't think Louisville is going to make it either way because of that loss to Kentucky, which, like you said, was another great, fantastic college football game. I think Mark Stoops has done a tremendous job at Kentucky. I mean, in my opinion, of uh, the man should be up for coach of the year every year with the job he does at Kentucky on the football field. But at the same time, now Louisville has two losses. So even a Florida State win or a, Florida, a win over Florida State doesn't put Louisville or Florida State in the playoff. That would put Florida State out of the playoff with one loss in the conference championship game because you just lost to a two-loss team that's not going to make the playoff. So they just took you out, even though you've been undefeated all year. So you're wanting chaos, you might just get it. But if Florida State wins that game, there's no chaos because Florida State did Yep. And there's no chaos, exactly. And I think that's the way it probably – I don't want there to be chaos. I want Florida State to be the one team that everybody knows. They know that Florida State, without their quarterback, they're not one of the top four teams in the country. They're not one of the top four best teams in the country. And whoever gets the gift of getting to play them in the first round is basically – it's not a buy – but it's going to be pretty close to a automatic advancement to the national championship game. That's what they want. But I want them in there. I want them in there because that's the way the system is designed. I want that spot to be not up, up under debate. We got Florida State in because if Florida State has one loss, obviously people are going to find a way to keep them out. I want Florida State in, and then I want three spots where there's utter chaos and arguments going this way and that way. And obviously, uh, either Georgia or Michigan are probably going to win. I, I mean, we've, we've never had a complete, what, what would this be, December madness? We've never had a complete December madness where all the uh, undefeated teams lost the same weekend. I'm, I'm expecting, as are the, um, as are the, the odds makers, that Washington loses and they're no longer undefeated. So, so the question at the forefront from me to you is, if you're gonna if you're gonna say because this weekend, but you know by the time that we're we're on, 
well, let's let's work this out, how this would happen. Okay, so then I'm going to make these predictions. I think that Oregon beats Washington. Okay, a 31 to 7 win over Oregon State pretty much convinced me that they're probably going to win in Las Vegas. Oregon beats Washington. Uh, Michigan beats Iowa. Alabama beats Georgia. Florida State beats Louisville. So let's get that out of the way. So we've got Michigan and Florida State as the only two undefeateds. They're in, no doubt about it. There's arguments about the last two spots. There's argument about Georgia, argument about Alabama. And well, let's go, let's go down to Texas too. Let's not forget about Texas. Texas is 11 and one. They're going to be playing Oklahoma State in the title game. Oklahoma State is an exceptionally weak, probably I, I think no, no doubt about it, weaker than Iowa. Weaker than Iowa. Uh, they're number 20 in the country. Iowa's number 17. They're nine and three, but I'm fully expecting Texas to handle business against. Uh, against Oklahoma State. Well, let me, let me just go ahead and go my, my lead course over the last time of the year. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> you want to upset? Here's the upset. It breaks all the nation's hearts because you have to understand what Texas has in Wyoming. They have a move to the SEC. This is the closest they're going to get to playing for the college football playoff championship. Uh-huh. Oklahoma State threads and shreds those hopes Saturday. The Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys end that argument for the college football playoff for the Texas Longhorns. Well, and that could happen. I'm not because, you know, Texas barely survived at home against Kansas State. So definitely not counting that out. I don't think Texas is one of the best four teams in the country. Uh, uh, if you just take away all the records and everything else. Uh, but – Let's don't. I don't want to let people off the hook. I don't want to let these these the committee off the hook. I want Texas. To, I want Texas to win that game, and here's why: because when Alabama beats Georgia, everybody's going to be jumping immediately to say, "Oh well, now Alabama, we got to put them in now. They just beat Georgia. They're they're eleven and one, and Georgia's eleven and one. Alabama goes in. Wait a second, Texas." They're twelve and one, and they're a conference championship, and they beat Alabama on their own field. So, does Alabama beating Georgia suddenly mean Texas is in? So again, I'm making you asked me for my prediction, and I, I just told you what I thought was going to happen in that scenario. Florida State's in, Michigan's in. Let me tell you, Texas is in. Texas is in. So the fourth spot comes down to Alabama, Georgia. Ohio State and Washington comes down to those four teams for an argument for the fourth spot. And let me see, who, who do I think is going to win that argument? I, I think Alabama's got the nod over Georgia. I think um, Washington, you know, Washington had their chance. They had their chance. They had to beat Oregon. I mean, they beat them the first time. Washington's got a strong argument. I wouldn't make an argument for Washington, but there's no way they're going to let Washington in over Alabama when Alabama won, beat Georgia in Atlanta. There's, there's no way. And then uh, the other team would be Ohio State. And Ohio State, for all the reasons we've discussed, they get left out over Alabama because 
they didn't play in their conference championship. So that's my prediction for, for the four teams left standing. Is this going to be Michigan, number one? It's going to be number two, believe it or not. It's going to be Florida State. Number three is going to be Texas. And number four is going to be Alabama. Wow. So we're going to see, we're going to have an Alabama, Michigan, a Michigan, Alabama first game. And then we're going to have a Texas, Florida State second game. Wow. And let me tell you, there's a path for the Longhorns to end up in the national championship game. So, so Texas, Texas wins, uh, Michigan against Alabama, man, that'd be a tough game right there. But I have to say that, uh, have to probably say that Michigan wins and then Michigan beats Texas and, and Michigan wins the national championship. I would, I would have to say that that is probably more likely what's going to happen, but I'm going to go ahead and give you mine as well. Uh, but, but now here, that's all changes if Georgia takes care of, takes care of business. Washington, well, Washington in the rankings right now is currently ahead of Florida State. Yep. So you're thinking Florida State's going to somehow leapfrog Washington? Yep. I think Florida State's the four seed. I think it's, it's Georgia, Florida State. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, and then Michigan, I, Washington. I think one and two is going to be Georgia, Michigan. The three and four could be flopped. They could, they could, they could jump each other or they could not. But uh, I think it's going to be. One Georgia, two Michigan, three Washington, excuse me, and number four Florida State. Yeah. So Georgia, Georgia beats Georgia beats uh, Washington, Michigan. I mean Florida State. Well, it's one. Yeah, one versus four. Georgia beats Florida State, Michigan beats Washington, and then I think Georgia wins their third title in a row. Uh, Georgia beats Michigan. We got, we got a true Bulldog fan on the line here. It might be where he went to high school, but I don't know. He just he roots Bulldogs through and through. It's, you know, it's just uh, I, I like to see I like to see history, and it, three three championships in a row hasn't been done in the modern college football era. It hasn't been done since the '30s, since the Great Depression. So I would just like to see a team three and Georgia's got the opportunity to do that, and I think that's what. They do. They do. And, and after we know the top four, we'll have to run all through this again and give our winners. But without knowing, that's that's my four, and that's and that's your four. So yeah, I want I want to see some chaos. And again, I you know I've been the most vocal supporter on this podcast. I think for the Huskies for a while. So I wouldn't mind seeing Washington continue to defy the odds over and over again. Um, but we'll. 
We'll see. It's, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I would say, you know, you're rooting for Georgia. I would say the team I would like to see win the national championship this year probably be Alabama. After what I saw against Auburn, after how they've been counted out every game, I counted them out against Tennessee at home when Tennessee was up 20 to 7 going into halftime in Tuscaloosa. I said it's it's over for Alabama. This is with, with Alabama. It was it was tied three to three in the fourth quarter against South Florida. Everyone just said it's over for Alabama this year. They're they're going to be middle of the pack, and to see them somehow emerge, it would be a tr- truly remarkable story. So that's what I'm rooting for. Is I'm rooting for the Tide to somehow make it into the playoff and um and win the national championship. You know? I mean, I, 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 I like that. I mean, you, you can't. You, you can't so I'm, I'm changing my prediction. I'm ch- and then that first game, Alabama beats Michigan. Alabama faces Texas in a preview of the new a new SEC rival, and Alabama wins it over Texas. That's that's my that's my prediction, wow. and we'll we'll run this back if it happens too. My prediction, Alabama. Over Michigan in Game One, Texas over Florida State, and then Alabama over Texas. Wow, I like it, man. What a what a redemption game after after Texas went in and, and, and just whipped Alabama earlier in the season on their own field. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be a great big saving story for sure. And now speaking of redemption, let's move to some personal redemption. Here is it's rare to to. It's not rare for my teams to get beat by North Carolina. That that happens most of the time, okay, sadly. And I hate it. But it's rare to get revenge so quickly. So on Friday evening, I, I had my soul almost, you know, ripped partially out of my body when the Razorbacks were up by four on the Tar Heels. looked like they were pretty much in control uh, at halftime. And then just disintegrated and North Carolina just caught fire and everything went right for them. Everything went wrong for us up to technical fouls to Trayvon Mark getting hurt, utter disaster of a second half. And it always happens like that against North Carolina. But. Oh, please tell me what happened. What happened? The next night, the the next next night, the eight and three North Carolina Tar Heels went in to Raleigh, North Carolina against the 8-3 and three NC State Wolfpack, a game that many people thought was too close to even predict. And, well, let's just say three quarters later, it was 33-7 to seven Wolfpack, and they were playing da 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 And that's, that's what we were doing the whole second half as we celebrated an absolute rout of the Tar Heels, an embarrassment. Their number, their top three NFL quarterback playing his last regular season game in a Tar Heels uniform and to just send him out with his head hung. It was it was beautiful with basically, I mean, I, I love Armstrong, but again, NC State's one of those teams where the coaching out is 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 better than the talent you know we have talent but the way we win is coaching and we're just drawing up plays 
all game that kept them off their toes. Big play after big play, strong defense. It was a complete team effort, 39-20, to 20, North Carolina State. Be, and let's be honest, you know, you said that's his last game in a Tar Heel uniform. Nobody likes to put that uniform on. I mean, just look at it. It's, nobody can honestly say they like to wear that. You know, it, it, it's just nobody, <laughs> nobody likes to wear that. He's glad that that's the last time he's got to put that awful, awful color of a uniform on. But... What a way to go out. Because you go to one of the stadiums that I've said all year long, still holds that home field advantage feel, and that's in Raleigh, North Carolina. There's still a home field advantage that exists around the Wolfpack that I absolutely love. And I love to see the beatdown. And I love to see the look on the, the baby blue-faced little minions that fall the Tar Heels around everywhere. I love to see the look on their face when they know that they just got annihilated by the Wolfpack. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it was it was sweet. And and it, but it was even sweeter after we had just suffered that defeat that the Razorbacks did. To come back and just handle them so thoroughly. Uh that's what made it sweeter. So my my week my week definitely weekend definitely ended on high note. That lets me know somehow that the NC State Wolfpack and the Razorbacks are woven together because the NC State Wolfpack was like, it's okay. It's okay, little brothers. We got they you. said, we got your back. We got your back, so Razorbacks. They, they just stomped you, but we, big brothers fixing to step up to the plate. We're going to handle them on the football field tonight. So that's what's going to happen. So, you know, I think they're kind of interwoven. I think I've seen that because I'm like, well, that's the sweet revenge right there. That's it was sweet revenge. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, now, you know, as you started off today, I'm going to kind of end today. Your two other teams are looking at great bowl games ahead. Tulane, North Carolina State. Both yes. And so this is our last podcast before the bowl schedule gets released at 11 o'clock Central on Sunday. So, Jackson, uh, give me some predictions on where you think NC State and Tulane are going to be headed because – I have some predictions of my own. You know, without without actually knowing the whole layout and the, the actual matchups and, you know, having all that at my disposal at this current time, uh, obviously NC, I mean, obviously the Tulane can't go back to the top four uh, again because it's, uh, I think it's actually in the playoffs this year. But uh, I'm, yes. I'm going to say that the, the, the highest New Year's Six Bowl, whichever bowl that is, Tulane wins their championship. I think that's the one that's going to take Tulane against whoever they play. And I don't know if they're after the playoff if they're actually ranked like that, but I would put Tulane in the highest bowl because of their body of work and how well they played this year. Going back to the win over USC, North Carolina State, you know, you have a nine-win team from the ACC. The ACC is a little down overall this year, probably in most people's eyes. I would still, I would still put them, uh, probably, probably in the Peach Bowl. I think you mentioned that to me before. No, I would, no. Well, I don't think we're eligible for that, and we're not eligible for the NC State's not eligible for the Peach Bowl. But let me tell you who I am predicting for the Peach Bowl. That's the Tulane Green Wave, New Year's Six Bowl, Peach Bowl. They've been basically saying it's between the Peach Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, and all this is going to be determined. 
by what happens with these other games because you know depending on who's available to pick you know there have been projected matchups i've seen with texas and tulane i don't want tulane to go to the fiesta bowl i mean i would like it but i'm wanting to go see a bowl this year you know i I almost saw that all-time all-time classic which might go down as the second best bowl game ever played uh against usc in the cotton bowl last year but there was bad weather so if if they're playing in the peach bowl let me tell you i might travel for that one especially if i can see two bowls in one trip because I'm predicting NC State to be just a little bit south of there, or a lot of people are predicting them, to either the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville or what's called, I mean, I have to call it the Citrus Bowl, but they call it now the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I can't, I can't, just can't go with that. You know, I used to say cheese it. It's the Citrus Bowl. Yeah. Um, I'm, predict, I'm projecting NC State to be in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And so... I might just make a trip of it, man, just to hit Orlando. I don't know if this is possible, but I would love to see a Tulane-Ohio State matchup. I would love to oh, see yeah. that. I would love to see it, and I would be riding the green wave all the way because you know my distaste for Ohio State. But just like last year, when I took Tulane over USC, whoever matches up with the 12-1 and because I'm thinking they're going to win their conference championship game like I predicted. Whoever matches up with Tulane, give me the green wave. I'm already taking them. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. I'm not worried about the opponent. I'm always I'll always be worried about the opponent. But i tell you, the matchup I would love to see, honestly, my dream matchup, my dream matchup would be uh, in the Peach Bowl, Tulane going to the Peach Bowl, Tulane against Alabama. If Alabama loses, and again, it could also be Georgia. I mean, if Georgia was to lose to Alabama and not make the playoff, Georgia has to go somewhere. Yeah. They got to go somewhere. So I think the Peach Bowl, yeah. Peach Bowl could take them. I mean, the Fiesta is obviously on the table. Um, and for NC State, if Louisville got beat badly, there's still – the been talk about there's still a chance that they could go to the Orange Bowl. Um, not there's one percent chance of that, but um, I would love it. I've always wanted to see NC State in the Orange Bowl. That's always been my dream. But this just just ain't the year. We 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 had Louisville at home. We had our chance. We lost by three. Got to get them next year. You know. Always next year, yes sir. Yeah. All, right. All right, Jackson. Well. I think that about wraps it up for today. We got a lot of hard hitting college football action coming up. Big uh, Razorback basketball game tomorrow. Uh, we're finishing the year strong with sports. Uh, I, and I, frankly, I think it's looking even better now that we've put that Razorback football season behind us. I, I, I definitely, and as bad as I hate to say it, I agree with you wholeheartedly because we, we have to put it behind us. We have to be ready for this offseason have some good recruiting and, and go to that portal, hit the portal hard and see what we can come out with and uh, and work on the offensive line for sure. That's that's some of the goals. But, uh, man, it's always a pleasure. And uh, go Wolfpack, go Green Wave, but always go Hogs because win, lose, or draw, we bleed Razorback Red. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen.